You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm Billy Umbody. Thanks for listening today. We got a lot to cover. We got SMU moving to 5-0 on the basketball court, beating UNLV in Las Vegas late night on Saturday which followed SMU being knocked out of the AAC West race in a loss to Navy 35-28 in Annapolis earlier in the day. And football lands its 11th commitment of the 2020 recruiting class. So we're going to get to all that. We're going to cover the the team side of things first for you guys on this Monday and and kind of run down my thoughts of of really the Navy game and then what it it means as SMU moves to 5-0 with Kendrick Davis in the lineup for the first time uh, as a Mustang, getting ruled immediately eligible by the NCAA on Friday before the team left for Vegas. So big news there, and and he had a big impact on on the way SMU played, and and certainly was the was um, part of the reason why they were able to to go out and get a win in Vegas against a UNLV team that let's be honest, really isn't isn't really much of a threat overall this season. But I did want to start there with the win over UNLV uh, for SMU. For me, look, let's start with Kendrick Davis. I thought he he added a lot to the flow of the offense. Was really able to kind of get them into sets a little bit easier uh, than maybe a Tyson Jolly, and and created a little bit more uh, offense when when he was on the floor for SMU. And I think that's exactly what we've been talking about for a long time when when getting together. Uh, a look at what SMU would look like with him on the floor. And and it's the first time now SMU's 5-0 and for the first time since the 2015-16 season. And, and Kendrick's a big part of that in, in his uh, debut, 21 points on 7 of 13 shooting in his debut and, and notched nine rebounds in the win, uh, all defensive, and then added four assists. So he helped certainly set up some some nice uh, shots for some of the, the other Mustangs out there. For me... Uh, Kendrick, and when talking with people around the program before he got eligible, they weren't necessarily touting his shooting. And and so for him to come out and shoot over 50% from the floor, 7 of 13, that's really impressive. And and that, I think, goes to show kind of what uh, his talent level is. Um, most of the people that I talked with talked up his defensive ability and just kind of his leadership that he'd bring to the floor, and and you saw that he played a lot of basketball as a true freshman at TCU, and for him to come out and and shoot that way, it's a big deal, and it's a big deal for an offense that was coming off a poor night shooting at uh, Evansville. They finished twenty six of fifty two, fifty percent from the floor, second highest field goal percentage of the year, and they made free throws too, twelve for twelve from the line in that seventy two sixty eight win, which really. I think was a lot closer than it should have been. They kind of faltered down the stretch a little bit and almost let UNLV come back all the way, but they had the lead from the 1034 mark in the first half and they never gave it up. And and that that for me was was a big sign that this team was kind of taking a step forward of saying, "Okay, all right, let's assert ourselves and and let's dominate a game from start to finish." And and while they didn't finish as well as I think Tim Jankovic wanted them to, they were efficient. On the offensive end, 16 of 26 makes had uh, assists, so second most assists for SMU on the season, 
And then they held UNLV to under 30% from the field and, and, and just barely out-rebounded them. But that'll certainly help you as you look at how SMU wants to play. I think this is a team that when Isaiah Jassy gets, gets eligible, Isaiah JC gets eligible, once exams are up, it'll be big. And, and that'll add to some physicality uh, that they can bring to the floor as well. Fran Hunt, career high, 19 points, 8 of 12 shooting. So he's improved his shooting from the field. Isaiah Mike, 5 of 7 from the field. Super efficient night for him, 3 for 4 from the three-point line. And then Tyson Jolly also had 7 assists on his night. So when I look at that game, I think it's great for SMU to move to 5-0. and Certainly not a win that's going to raise any eyebrows when it comes to the postseason play, the way UNLV is trending this year. They're just not really... They're a team right now that's in that's in transition to the first year coach there in, in uh, TJ Osenberger and I probably butchered that name but but that's uh, how I'm gonna roll with it. But you looked at the starters, four of the fives played over 30 minutes, 34 minutes, 37 minutes for Kendrick Davis and Fran Hunt respectively. Isaiah Mike was in a little bit of foul trouble there, ended up with four fouls, and I think that I think overall. It was a good good night for for SMU. You go to Vegas. You're you're there with po- probably distractions on Friday night. I mean, I'm sure they they had those managed pretty well. They got the win, but it's a it's just kind of a weird matchup to go all the way out there and then play that late night game. Their bodies are at 9:30 at night local time for them. But Ethan Shagwa, I think, coming off of his best game of the season against Evansville, that's not the way he wanted to follow it up. Two of eight from the field shooting the ball. And, and really didn't have much of an impact on the rebounds, only three rebounds for him on the night. And he added four assists, which is nice to see. But overall, they just need to continue to get more out of Ethan. And, and they're struggling too, but, but it's something that's going to, I think, be something to watch as they go through the course of the season. They really need him in conference play to step up his game. And then the bench just... If SMU gets into foul trouble in certain positions, it's going to be an issue this season. Six points combined off the bench, zero from from Charles Smith and and Everett Ray, who com- combined for for twelve minutes, didn't take a shot while they were out there. C.J. White three points, Emmanuel Bandemel three points, and and when they add J.C. into the fold, they'll get some help off the bench with whether they go with Mike or Shagwa or, or J.C. off the bench. It'll kind of change things, but. Certainly, I think Ethan Shagwa is somebody that needs to step up, kind of moving forward. But let's get to let's get to SMU football's loss to Navy because there's a lot to unpack with that game, a game that I think SMU wants back. I mean, obviously, there's a lot that they that they really could do a lot a lot better in in that one, and 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 probably could have come away with the win. I thought SMU's offensive scheme. A struggled most of the night, season low in, in terms of yards. I believe could be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm 99% sure it was. Certainly wasn't wasn't what they wanted in a, in a game that they had to win. And it's and I said this on the preview podcast that going at Navy, a team that's won 17 straight now, senior days, is a difficult task. I mean, they play really hard. They played clean. They didn't have a turnover. The difference in the game ultimately was that was that first first drive turnover by Xavier Jones. SMU was driving, could have scored a touchdown, could have set the tone for the entire game, but it didn't. And, and SMU got into a funk there after that offensively. And Navy misses a field goal 
in a way, luckily on, on that opening drive for them when they took, you know, got the, got the fumble, but it, it offensively, they, they weren't, I feel like as aggressive as they needed to be. They, they had their moments where they would just go all, all pass and all run or, they they weren't they weren't using the entire field and we talked about that on the boards. Kylan Granson didn't really have much of an impact at all on the game. He had that key third down drop, but really, I mean, he had one one catch for thirty yards and just wasn't used the way he had been. So Navy did a good job taking him away for whatever reason, and and I just feel like that game for SMU was set. the The tone was kind of set by that first drive for the offense and them not being able to capitalize and, and score a touchdown on that opening drive, which they, they were driving for, looking like they were going to, and they bumble away a, a golden opportunity. And, and Navy ends up opening the scoring eventually and goes up 7 nothing. And then C.J. Sanders gets, gets them a little bit of a, you would hope, a spark, but that spark really never came offensively. And Navy was able to go up 10-7, and then SMU rolls off 14 unanswered there, which was nice. The second quarter, I think, for SMU went a lot better offensively, certainly, than than the rest of the game did. But this was an SMU team that was facing a Navy team that had won 16 straight going in on, on senior day. So you knew what you were getting yourselves into in terms of a battle against Navy. And, and I just don't feel like they really capitalized on the chance that they had. And obviously, look, they, they, they lost the game. They did not capitalize. But the weather was not as bad as, as it ended up uh, being. Like going in, everybody thought the second half was going to be a, an absolute train wreck. It wasn't. So it played into SMU's hands to go in and get a win, and they didn't. And I think when you look at what this team now has left, they've got, they've got Tulane ahead of them, and, and – it's a game that they can lose. Tulane's a good football team, and, and they're going to be ticked off that they weren't able to finish out their home stretch the right way. They've lost to SMU two straight years in a one-score game. and This team has to rally the troops, and and I feel like the game against Navy was a building block for the defense. I, I felt like they played well enough for them to be able to win, and, and the offense just d- didn't keep up its end of the bargain this week. And for look – the SMU offense has done a great job of doing that all year. And and during a stretch when the defense really struggled, you know, gave up a ton of points against East Carolina and Memphis and get, had, a, had a rough day against Houston overall, the defense did what it needed to do. 35 points should have been enough for, for SMU to, to win this football game, um, at least from, from in terms of how, how many they give up defensively. So I – I think there's a lot of concern going into the Tulane game. Last year, SMU let the Memphis loss, beat them twice. They went to Tulsa. Now, that, granted, look, that was a totally different football team that walked into Memphis that'll be walking into Ford Stadium on, on Saturday. But this is, a, this is a concern, I think, when you look at how hard Tulane plays and, and where SMU is at coming off of that Navy game. And and Navy does a lot of things that nobody else does, and they've done it well for years. But I have a little bit more concern going into this Tulane game based on the way SMU responded offensively against Navy and just kind of the overall sense I got from from watching that team in Annapolis. And I think offensively, 
they have everything in, in front of them, right? This team, I, I talked about it a lot. There's There's been a lot, most of the season, there's no reason to really doubt this offense. And I think coming off of the, the Navy game, there, there's reason, to, there's concern. There, there's concern that they're going to be in a funk offensively and not be able to get things going. And, you know, they they just did not play well at all. So they've got to right the ship offensively. There's a lot, I mean, Sonny Dykes was pretty critical after the game talking about matchups missed and, and opportunities blown offensively. And I think that goes on both sides, whether it be Shane Bouchelle missing some throws, uh, the the run game wasn't consistent enough, and then just play calling in general. I mean, they, they did not get Colin Grants in the ball enough. James Prochet was kind of relatively check, held in check, I think, for the most part. And, I mean, Rasheed Rice goes and makes a big play. But other than that, I mean, they were not explosive, and, and they really – We've seen it before. They played, I think, and and this is not a shot against Navy, but in terms of athletes and what SMU has at its disposal, they played down to late to Navy. I don't think that's a Navy team that is incredible. I don't think it's the Navy, some of these great Navy teams that we've seen in the past offensively. And Malcolm Perry is very good, but they did a good job at times keeping them under wraps. And like I said, I thought 35 points should be enough. I, when I predicted the game, I, I think I had Navy scoring 31. I could be wrong on that, but SMU's offense just didn't take advantage. So there's a lot of pressure on SMU's offense this week going into the Tulane game. They've got to get things corrected, and they've got to get on the same page play calling wise, because it just seemed like there there were some moments, especially late when they were off the two fade routes to Prochet. Obviously, you look for you know a, a defensive pass interference call at the end there, and there was there was plenty of calls that could have gone SMU's way that went Navy's way and but if you're leaving any game up to the officiating of the AAC you haven't done enough you know, maybe to win the game and SMU left a lot of opportunities out there and 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 they paid the ultimate price and they're now out of the AAC West race so I think we covered a lot of the issues well on the board in our post-game coverage but there I, there's concern for me going forward against Tulane with SMU's offense. They've got to get on the same page. There were just some moments that you were just kind of like, that just didn't make sense. Why Why would they do that? Why would they you know, go that route in certain ways? So I'm looking for a big bounce back performance from SMU's offense. They've got to be able to get back on the same page. And that's what this week is about. You're sending out some key seniors uh, trying to do it with a win at home against Tulane with, with the chance to get to 10 wins for the first time really, I think, since that 1982 season and, and become one of the few SMU teams to win 10 games. And here's the thing. If you drop that Tulane game, that, I think, that has an impact on perception. I don't think losing at Navy has an impact on perception of this, this SMU team and what they've been able to accomplish. Dropping your last two would, and and it it could impact how, how you know recruiting goes, how, how they finish it out, potentially as well but more than anything you've got to get the 10th the 10th win get back on the same page get back on the right track and then you can carry that in to postseason and in the early signing period which if you win the 10th game theoretically should come before your bowl game comes so you don't have to uh, have that kind of deal where you might be preparing for a bowl game right or you'll be preparing for a bowl game but the bowl game won't come right right around the early signing period and, and it could be, you know, after Christmas and things like that. So they've got a lot of questions to get answered offensively and, and see kind of where things go. 
uh, from here. But a really disappointing effort offensively for SMU. I think those guys will will have a lot to go over as they try to put that one behind them and try to not let it beat them twice. And and we go back to that Tulsa game where where they, that happened last year. I like the team leadership on this team. I've said that. I think they'll be able to get it done against Tulane, but a lot of questions that SMU has to answer offensively for that to happen. So with that, guys, uh, we'll talk more about Tulane later on the week on the podcast, but going to take a quick break and then transition to recruiting as SMU lands a junior college offensive lineman who's been committed quietly for quite a while. We'll talk about SMU's new commitment in the 2020 recruiting class right after this quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm Billy Ambody. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, as the early signing period moves closer and closer, subscribe to PonyStampede.com. You can try us free for the next seven days and get a look at the type of coverage you'd be getting of not only the Mustangs on the football field and basketball court, but also on the recruiting trail. SMU going to host a few official visitors that we'll highlight later in the week as those get confirmed and locked in for SMU's home finale against Tulane. Speaking of the recruiting trail, SMU landed Tyler Junior College offensive lineman Dimitri Jordan. The 6'4", 300-pounder, announced his commitment to the Mustangs on Monday. He'd been silently committed to the Mustangs since his official visit this summer. And somebody that has been on board for quite a while, they've they've you know wanted him to just kind of take care of business in the classroom and make sure everything was set before announcing. He did just that, went public on Monday. Gives SMU a seventh offensive lineman committed in the 2020 recruiting class at a position of need. They've got some upperclassmen that I think you could see move on after this year, so they wanted to balance out the roster a little bit more. You're going to be losing... Nick Dennis there at the right guard spot. He's a senior, so this is somebody that could come in right away and battle with Kobe Bryant at the right guard spot and provides a, a, you know, a veteran edge to that group that'll return pretty much the entire group next year, which, you, which will be a positive for SMU. But Dimitri is, has outstanding sophomore tape. I mean, it really, he's one of the best junior college offensive guards in the country, uh, top five junior college guard on 25... Uh, on 24-7 sports and so this is a nice pickup and somebody that you can tell talking with him after his decision is really excited to to land with SMU stay in the state of Texas he went to Lubbock Coronado with with Jalen Thomas and and he was saying how it's going to be fun to get back on the same team with him and Sonny Dykes is a Lubbock Coronado grad and so he's from or he's from Lubbock and uh, so that was another factor for them they recruited him really well really hard and so I think 
this was, like I said, only a matter of time. He had been silently committed. And so for him to get on board is nice to see for SMU. And uh, they can kind of you know, maybe use this commitment as, as a building block and start to get some of these other guys on board. On the other side of that, Loic Fungi committed to Texas Tech over the weekend, the Midland Lee wide receiver who really has had one of the most impressive senior years of any wide receiver in the country, just really explosive, a big body receiver that ultimately ends up at Texas Tech over SMU, Texas, and Baylor. And somebody that I think SMU felt like they were in on, and and they were. Uh, Baylor and Texas had kind of dropped off, and it was an SMU-Texas Tech battle, but he's going to stay close to home. His his family's in Midland. They're not from the United States, and and so that kind of, I think, played a factor, him wanting to stay close to home and, 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 and play where they can literally watch him every weekend instead of making that trip from Midland to Dallas. And, and so that leaves them at the wide receiver position with a few options. They've got Thad Johnson out of Beaumont Westbrook, who I think is still heavily in the mix to land with SMU. He's a teammate of Jay, Lim, uh, of Jay Bell, the defensive end commitment that SMU has out of Beaumont Westbrook. And then they've got Mason Mangum, who's out there out of Austin Westlake, one of the most impressive receivers in the state of Texas and has set the all-time receiving yards mark for Westlake. So that's really impressive. Savion Williams from East Texas and Marshall is an option as well. And then I think you can see them dip into the junior college pool as well and look for a wide receiver that can come in and, you know, right away help replace what they're going to lose in James Prochet and Myron Galliard and, and CJ Sanders and some of these veteran receivers that are going to walk out the door after this season. So a uh, bit of bad news there for SMU missing out on Loic Fungi. He kind of went under the radar. He, he's a pretty quiet guy when it comes to the recruiting process, but he does commit to Texas Tech. SMU still has a few options out there and, and guys that they're heavily in the mix for. Wouldn't be surprised to see them host, a, host Mason Mangum on, a, on an official visit at some point. And they've already hosted Thad Johnson earlier this year on an official visit as well. Um, so there, there are some guys out there at the receiving position that are really, really talented. SMU's battling some of the big boys for, for Thad. And then Mason had been committed to Arkansas but backed off of his pledge once Chad Morrison and – um, that firing went down in, in Fayetteville. So um, some options out there at the receiving position. I think for SMU now, it's, it's like I said earlier, they've got to get to that 10th win, get that momentum back on their side and, and, and finish the season off strong to kind of make that impact on the 2020 recruiting class when guys are looking at them from a 10-win team perspective rather than a 9-3 and three team. And, and so it, it, it's... We're at the point right now where I think SMU is likely to finish out with a few junior college guys. There are some high school guys still out there. I mentioned the wide receiving position. And then uh, we'll see kind of where they go on the defensive side of the ball, kind of a mix of high school and 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 uh, junior college guys. But expect SMU to hit the transfer portal hard once again. And that's just going to be, I think, a part of their recipe. They're going to go that route because they they have a lot of ties with, with guys that are going to be either in the portal or, or already in the portal and have, and have been looking at SMU and been in contact with the staff. And so we'll start to see some of those dominoes fall, I think, uh, with the transfer portal guys in, in December, early January, as, as SMU looks to get them on campus after they've finished up either their academic requirements to be a December grad or maybe get them set uh, to start taking visits in the spring if they're going to be a May graduate and things like that. So 
lot of fluidity, but SMU does pass Houston in the AAC with the the number uh, 10th class now with 11 commitments on board, which is actually somewhat impressive for who they've got on board. And, um, you know, we'll look to finish out the class with some quality junior college guys. And there's a lot out there uh, for SMU that they're heavily involved with that that'll be on the board. A quick note, I want to give a ton of props to Raylan Sharp. He had over roughly 600 yards of total offense and six touchdowns in Allen's loss to Rock Wall over the weekend. Uh, Really a classic second round Texas high school football state playoffs matchup in AT&T Stadium. He was pretty incredible and and showed why uh, he's going to get a shot to play quarterback at SMU and and size uh, is certainly not on his size at at about 5'9", but he's an explosive athlete. He throws the ball really well. Everything SMU liked about him when they had him on camp uh, on campus for camp over the summer has really showed this entire season. He had a terrific senior year, really efficient year for him, and and he capped it with one of uh, one of the better playoff performances that you could ask for out of a quarterback. So I uh, did want to mention that Raylan Sharp uh, goes out on the losing side of things to Rockwall, but just an incredible performance from him in AT&T Stadium over the weekend. Um, and, and, and he's got, I think, a, a potentially bright future at SMU, whether it's at quarterback, whether it's at receiver. He's just an incredible athlete. And so uh, shout out to him for, for doing everything he could to, to give Allen a chance to win that game. And it just fell short with a, with a pretty wild two-point play there by Rockwall. And then uh, they just couldn't get it done on the final drive where they had a chance to go down and win the game. So with that, guys, we're going to have a lot more recruiting coverage for you guys as as things move along closer to the early signing period and 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 guys start to take official visits. SMU is not playing in the AAC title game now, so they'll have an official visit weekend, December 8th, I believe. They might bring some guys in uh, December 13th as well will be one to watch. But we'll have you guys covered on SMU's official visitors this coming weekend with SMU looking to close out its regular season with a win over Tulane and send the seniors out the right way. So we'll have plenty more coverage on SMU Tulane as well as the visitors expected on campus. But with that, we're going to close out the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family and and all the football that's on TV. So with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!